You're listening to History Makers, and joining me on the phone is Chris Podlick, who is a young church planter from Brisbane. How are you doing, mate? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Matt? Very good. Now, Chris, we'd love to know a bit of your story and your journey of church planning. Firstly, tell us whereabouts were you born and raised? Yeah, so born in uh, born and raised in Brisbane, actually. Um, grew up uh, right around the Everton Park region. Went to school uh, around Aspley, and then uh, went transitioned to high school, and uh, actually ended up uh, at Grace College out, of, out on the peninsula. Okay, and you had a yeah, religious upbringing. What, what, what did that look like for you? Yeah, so kind of grew up in church. Um, my parents. Uh, my parents kind of grew up in the faith, but then around the time they had me, decided to come back to come back to church and kind of kind of they kind of I guess had a coming back to faith experience, and so that was awesome that I was able to be a part of that. And so I kind of always just had going to church as, as part of um, life when I was mm-hmm. younger. Yeah. And what kind of denomination were you raised in? Yeah, so in the Anglican denomination, so very, um, very traditional. Like I was an altar boy, actually, like wearing the wearing the white robe, um, carrying the candles, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and then tell us a bit about your conversion experience. Was was there a moment where you can say, "Yep, that was when it all happened"? Look, I wish I could, and I've thought about this a, a, a lot, but there really wasn't. I guess it was more of just like really a journey where, over time. Um, faith kind of just became my own more and more and more and I've tried to think about was there a moment where I was like yeah this is the moment that like it's all for me and I really don't think there was it was just kind of this really gradual slow slow burn um, for me there was definitely times in high school where I was like yeah I could point to and say hey, I pressed a little bit deeper but there was also times outside of school and in my early teens where I pressed pressed into it a lot more as well so I'd say it's like a slow burn for me okay cool and what about your career what did you do after school yeah, so I, um, I enrolled in, in uni, uh, and then after about a week of uni, uh, I was sort of like, no, I, I really had, a, I really wanted to play professional soccer. I was like, that's kind of what I want. I discovered that um, in America, you can go over to and play in the college scene, and you can essentially live the life of a full-time athlete, but kind of tell people that you're studying. And I was like, I bet you if I tell my parents that, that'll kind of like get me a bit of a pathway over there. <laughs> So I um yeah I worked as a as a car detailer for for a bit over a year just saving up some money to be able to make my own way over there and um, spent a lot of time contacting colleges and universities and talking to coaches and yeah it was just I had one university all lined up and then the global financial crisis hit and their coach called me and said hey the paperwork's on its way but our university's just cut all funding for the scholarships from internationals but. We're part of a network of uni, so I'm going to call around and see if any of the other coaches need a goalkeeper. Um, so, yeah, I ended up, of all places, in uh, Nebraska, which is like smack bang in the middle of the United States. It's flat. It's got cornfields. There's nothing there. So, yeah, spent four years there. Oh, cool. And tell us about your journey towards church planning. How did you get into it? Yeah, so I went over um, to, the, to the United States. I was actually enrolled as like a behavioral science major and... Uh, because uh, it was a Christian uh, Lutheran University, Christian University, and so 
um, as part of every degree, you had to do just a couple of basic intro theology classes. And I, I was um, doing the first one, like Introduction to the New Testament. I was like, oh, this is really kind of like, I really kind of love this stuff. And um, then, yeah, after my first semester, I was like, actually, I don't think I want to do behavioral science. I started looking at some of the courses down the end of the end of the line. I was trying to like figure out which ones I, I could get away with. And I was like, that's probably not a career path for me if I'm not really interested in some of the other courses, like in the third and fourth year. So I was like, I'm going to switch to theology. And uh, I, so I did a did theology and also Christian educational leadership were my sort of two two degrees there. And I did a minor in philosophy, of all things, as well. Oh, interesting. Okay. Now, they say that one of the craziest jobs you could ever do is to be a church planter. <laughs> Why did you do it, brother? Tell me your story. <laughs> Look, to be honest, I don't really, um, yeah, again, I don't really ever think I stuck my hand up and was like, yeah, I wanted to plant a church. I guess it was just kind of something that evolved over time. So when I came back to Australia after my time in the United States, um, if I'd have stayed in the United States, I would have had a year internship. And I said, oh, I really want to do that in Australia. So I came back here and did my internship four days a week in a school as a chaplain and then one day a week in a church. Uh, and then at the end of that, I went to part-time in the school and part-time in the church. Uh, and then a little bit after that, we, ha- we had a new pastor come to the church where I was at. And, uh, and he said, hey, why don't you come over and um, look at starting a night service? And then a couple of months into planning the night service and what that would look like, he said, you know, really, I feel that maybe God's calling us to church plan. I said, yeah, I, I kind of agree. Um, so why don't we just step out in faith and kind of and go for gold. I really just kind of stuck my hand up, I guess. I, it wasn't more, it, yeah, I'd never really feel called to ch- felt called to church plan. Um, God just kind of presented the opportunity, and I was like, yeah, I'll give that a red hot crack. Tell us a bit about the heart of the church plant. Um, you, you guys are very focused on trying to reach the unchurched, and you have very intentional language and intentional style of service so that unchurched people will come along. Tell us what that looks like. Yeah, so for us, uh, when we were, when we were, planning and, and really pressing into what God was saying around um, the, uh, what, if, what we felt he was calling us to plant a church for. We we've, uh, did some like analysis of, of the church that we were a part of at the time, and, and it was very much an old demographic, but we, we discovered that our community was really young demographic and had really little or no experience in church. And we kind of said, well, our heart is really to connect with unchurched um, people or de-churched people, so maybe people who went to church and then for... Um, have dropped off the radar and decided it wasn't for them. So we, um, our mission is to go beyond church and lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. But our vision is to create a church that unchurched people love to attend. And uh, I think that when you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus has just this incredible ability to speak to both the teachers of religious law, but also, um, but also the prostitutes, the tax collectors, and the sinners at the same time. And we sort of said, well, what would it look like if we were... I'm really deliberate in our language that could connect with not only people who have been in the faith for a long time, but also people who were uh, who were new to church. So, um, in our communication style, we always just kind of set the bar really, really low and explain some of those things that you might take for granted if you've been in church for a long time. You know, people who are new to church don't know that Paul actually wrote a letter called Corinthians to the Corinthian church. So we just are really explicit in bringing people in on that journey of what's actually going on um, when we open when we open the Bible. 
You know, I just think it's so important that uh, those of us who are pastors, you know, make sure we don't just talk religious Christianese all the time. Um, you know, like you say to an unchurched person, are you washed in the blood of the lamb? They're going to look at you a bit weird, aren't they? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and even our musicians, you know, like our worship team, we're, we're very um, intentional that uh, if we're going to play songs that, that have that kind of imagery in them, that's fantastic, rich imagery. But if you're walking into church for the first time, you actually don't know what that is an image of. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, we're really just clear with our, our worship leaders to communicate to people and let them know, hey, there's this image coming up. What it actually means is this, because an unchurched person here is watching the blood of the lamb and they think like, oh, this is like one of those churches that make like random weird sacrifices or something. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing a, a skit once about um, small groups and uh, there was a guy that came to church with his girlfriend and, you know, she'd been, she dragged him along to church. He'd never been to church before. And um, people come up and said, oh, hi, I'm, I'm friends with Sherry. I'm part of her small group. And he said, small group of what? <laughs> uh, it's, we've, we've got these, this lingo that is in churchianity, you know. We have small yeah. groups, you know. But to an unchurched person, a small group of what, you know. We really do have to be intentional, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's probably what... Um, what we really focus on, like the language that we use, um, is intentionally connecting with unchurched people. Because if you've been if you've been in church uh, your entire life, it makes sense to you. You know the language. It's really just how we frame that in such a way that it connects um, with unchurched people, and particularly with um, the demographic we're reaching, like millennials and Gen Zers as well. So it speaks into their culture. So tell us, are you making a difference? Are you reaching? unchurched young people and what kind of stories can you tell of uh, lives that have been transformed yeah i would i would uh say that we definitely we definitely are um just a couple of stories that kind of jump out to my mind in fact um i was having a conversation just recently with someone let's start with d church first someone who had grown up in the faith but then uh kind of went to high school fell off the radar a little bit and um and probably fell off the, the, the church grid for maybe six or seven years, um, had a relationship with someone they played soccer with, and they said, oh, you should come along to this, um, this church, you know. If you're not really into church, this is the perfect place for you to come along. And um, now after two years, that person actually uh, mentors some of our small group leaders mm. and actually turned turn down a, an opportunity to progress in their career because they wanted to have more time to be able to pour into some of the leaders uh, in our church. Mm. And, and to put it in their words, you know, my, my job is great, but it doesn't fulfill me the way that um, leading people to Jesus does. Yeah, cool. Um, and, off, you know, we've, we've had unchurched people as well. Um, there's, a, there's a fantastic story of someone who's actually in the, in the to use the church language, small group, um, <laughs> uh, that my wife and I lead, who uh, the, her first time ever in church was to our very first service. And she only came because she knew a couple of people who were coming along. I think you could count on one hand the number of times that she's missed a Sunday church mm. um, since that, and that was uh, just over two and a half years ago. And to, to see her progression from getting her first Bible to, you know, and we even in um, our small group, we'd have to explain, you know, well, Adam and Eve were this and Noah was this, and, and to, to get her getting to the point where one time we went to explain who someone was, she goes, no, 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 I know that. I was reading that this morning in my Bible. It's just incredible to see that journey um, on, of faith. Yeah, it's so good to hear those stories. You know, um, I remember reading a book called Church Planting for the Greater Harvest many years ago, and uh, the, the book just highlighted the fact that church planting is the best way to reach the lost. 
And uh, there's a price to pay when you plant a church because, you know, often a, an existing church will have to send out their best leaders. That it'll, it'll cost money. You've got to hire premises. You've got to do marketing. You've got to promote it. You know, there's a, there's a cost to it, but it actually changes the spiritual climate of a suburb or, or of a community uh, when a, plant, a church is planted. And the reality is if we don't plant churches here in Australia, we're going to keep declining in numbers and we're going to be less effective in reaching this nation. So uh, we've, we've got to plant more churches, don't we? Oh, absolutely. I think there's that, there's that very real tendency, just because we're human, um, once a church gets to a certain size, we think, hey, we've done it, we're really comfortable, um, you know, we're reaching people. And in order to, um, to plant a church, it might mean that maybe we'll have a little bit less on a Sunday service or we'd be able to see a drop in numbers. But um, I guess church planning just helps us to continually realize that we're not called to grow just our local church. We're called to grow the kingdom of God. And if that means that our local church has to shrink by 20 so that a new church can be planted and we can increase the kingdom of God by 100 or 200 people, then, then that's, the, that's the goal at the end of the day. Mm. Um, which, which I just think is really powerful. Now, I, uh, I read a great quote recently, uh, which I saw uh, one of the leaders in your church, uh, a mutual friend of ours named Joel, I, I saw a quote that he'd put up somewhere that said, Jesus is irresistible. It's his followers that make him resistible. Yep. And I thought, oh, my goodness, that is so good, because the reality is uh, unchurched people are actually interested in Jesus. Uh, the, you know, you can't fault Jesus. Jesus is the most amazing uh, person that ever walked this planet. He's the Son of God. Everything he said is gold. You know, everything. Everyone needs to hear everything he said. You know, but the reality is, people have a view of church that it's full of hypocrites. That they're just after your money. Uh, you know, people have this, you know, wrong view of who church people are, and. Really, the best thing for us to do is to point people to Jesus because he is irresistible, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. And I think, uh, I think there are so many fantastic churches around um, and, and there are so many great opportunities for people to connect. But um, sometimes as followers of Jesus, because we, we know um, the saving grace of Jesus, we can become a little bit... Um, overzealous in the fact that we actually don't put ourselves in, in the shoes of an unchurched person and, and experience life through what they've experienced. And so we're so focused on getting this message out that we don't actually ever stop to, to hear how God's already working in their life. And so I think sometimes unintentionally, followers of Jesus um, can, can really feel like it's, hey, we just want you to believe exactly what we believe. And really, we don't. We just want you to connect with this, with this God who gave everything for us. And we be, when we begin to think about that and we put ourselves into other people's shoes and we're a part of a conversation, I think that's really when Jesus becomes irresistible. Mm, so good. Now, one thing that I'm curious about is the focus of your church. Uh, mm. Is there an age bracket that you're intentionally going after? Because, you know, uh, most churches have a lot of older people and some young people and a mixture of families in the middle. Uh, what's the target you're aiming for? Yeah, so, well... We, we don't actually have a target demographic um, in, in an age bracket, but, but just by the virtue of the fact that we, we're on at 6.30 at night, um, we do get a lot, of, uh, a lot of young people. We're very deliberate in the, in the fact that with the church plant, we've only got limited resources, and at 6.30 at night, uh, we, we don't run any kids' ministry um, just because we don't have the, the resources and the ability to do that. So we do have a lot of young adults, a lot of youth. Um, yeah, so kind of... 
I would say our leadership team, their average age, if you kind of split it, would be about 24 years old. That's great. So good to hear young people actively involved in church planning. And what's the name of the church? Beyond Church. Beyond Church. And where do you meet? Uh, we meet at Living Faith uh, Primary School Chapel and mm-hmm. in the Living Faith Church building. In Marumba Downs, is that right? Marumba Downs, yeah. In yeah. North of Brisbane, fantastic. Yep. You know, I, I heard of a, a friend of mine planted a church recently aimed at uh, homeless people and people with addictions and people that are you know, doing it tough on the streets. And, and uh, he joked to me that their slogan is, we don't have blue cards, so don't bring your kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just love the fact that he he actually had a target. You know, he, he felt God calling him to those that are on the streets, and uh, he's unashamed about it. He's not trying to build a nice, normal family church. He wants to reach the lost and the poor and the addicted. And uh, that, you know, and I love the fact that your team are young, and you know, you're reaching young people. Uh, I've heard of other churches like I've. We accidentally planted a Korean church a few years ago, and they're reaching out to all these Korean students and. And, uh, you know, they have an international service and a Korean service, one in English, one in Korean. Um, I do think when we think about church planning, it is good to have a specific target because the reality is there are different horses for different courses, aren't there? Yeah, and I I completely agree with that. I think that there have definitely been times, and and I've been guilty of it and been part of a church that are guilty of it, where we think that our local church is the body of Christ as opposed to realising that we're just one part of the body of Christ. You know, we might be the, the little toe or we might be the foot. Um, and so our church doesn't have to meet everyone's needs. It just has to meet what God has called us to do to perform our function in the body of Christ. Mm, and so, so having a, having a, a demographic a target group in mind, uh, it just helps the mission of the church. That's wonderful, mate. If people want to find out more about your church, what's the website to go to? Uh, we don't have a website, <laughs> uh, but you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, um, Beyond Church AU uh, is the best place to get a hold of us on, on those social media platforms. You don't have a website. You're just on Instagram and Facebook. I love it. That is so, uh, you know, next generation, isn't it? <laughs> it absolutely is. <laughs> cool. Good on you, Chris. I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for your time. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater. And why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's Word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor.